Hi, everybody. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered, the solutions partner podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews the owners, founders, and executives of agencies and services providers from around the world about whatever it takes to grow and scale. Episodes can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. This week, Ben Rubin, VP of Revenue at Remotish, joins the show to share his perspective on the age of the connected customer and the resulting big bets that he sees his organization making as we prepare for 2023. Ben digs into the importance of human connection and how it manifests itself in sales calls, client engagements, and hiring pipelines, citing that even in B2B communications and interactions, it's very much still human to human. He also digs into the value of a connected platform and access to data that covers the entire customer journey, and he likens tech stack consultancy to a Jenga tower, removing unnecessary bricks that don't hurt the sturdy foundation of the overall tech stack. In looking ahead to 2023, Ben shares some of the adjustments Remotish is planning to make to their operating model, including the required lengths of their contracts and the value that they can drive on a monthly basis through their RevOps and WebOps service offerings. Remotish also has historically requested their team to complete and achieve all of the certifications offered by HubSpot Academy, but is making a change to a more focused role-based set of certification requirements. I mean, to reflect a catalog of certifications growing in size and in diversity of topic and function coverage, Ben shares how the team approached and designed these new focused role-based learning paths for the team. You're listening to another episode of Agency Unfiltered. Hey, Ben. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered, man. How you doing? Kevin, I'm living it. Living I think we it all, as we all are. Yeah, right. As we all are. You know, uh, one of my, I think one of my biggest regrets, before we're 22 seconds into this thing, one of my biggest regrets will be uh, releasing this audio only and not giving you the platform to show off, you know, the beard. And so I'm just getting, I'm up front and just apologizing for that right out of the gate. That is just the, the, the majestic beard that you have. Uh, can this I, can I hear you? you can, 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 how about we give the, the, the listeners, can you describe it? Like, yeah, like so, you're being interviewed uh, by a cop, like. Oh yeah. Oh, all right. So, um, well, <laughs> you drive with glasses. Well, yeah. So right, right. You know, luscious mustache, pretty thick, pretty okay. thick. Uh, but sh- down from the side, I'm, tr- the I'm rotating around for the listeners yeah, right now too in the camera view. It's edged pretty good. Like it's, you know, you're not letting it go out of control. Like it's it, the, where it exists and where it lives is very intentional. And then, man, if I have to ballpark this thing, the length off the chin, six inches, eight inches, you know. Should I grab the tape measure? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Honestly, it'd be irresponsible not to. At this point now, everyone's Did listening. Did you have tape measure that close? Did you have tape I measure did. right there? Wow. There it is. Oh yeah, there it is. If you can hear that. Yeah. Where are we at? Can you see that? Look. Nah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to give me a marker. I'm at eight and a half. There you go. You know? So cleaned up, cleaned down. up lines down the sideburns, eight inch, eight and a half inches off the chin. And it's like a what is that? Like a kind of like a reddish brown, a little red tinge in there. A little might be my LED lights behind my computer screen, That's but fair. yeah, it's got some reddish, maybe. 
Uh, and then I'll now never the be able to grow beard. Now now I mean, the cops I'm, know where I am. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll be baby faced until uh, the day I die. So, uh, now Ben, uh, other than your facial hair, um, uh, hoping to talk to a couple different things. I think that's in the wheelhouse uh, of you, you, your role at Remotish, the the function and the place in which Remotish uh, likes to operate amongst our solutions partner community. Um, and I'm going to tee us up with this uh, coming out of inbound. Uh, there was a, a overarching narrative and kind of this like thematic presence uh, around uh, the age of the connected customer, right? Uh, and how we're trying to fight through this crisis of disconnection. And so that manifests into the relationships that we have with coworkers, prospects, customers, et cetera, the tools and systems, the processes we build. There's a lot of different ways to pull, pull on this. Um, and I'll let you decide where to go with it. Uh, but what does the age of the connected customer mean for remotish? And so, how are you trying to solve the crisis of disconnection? Kevin, this is an awesome thing, and I think how how much more timely could HubSpot have been with the announcement to go back to in person and inbound and get us all connecting? Because it was it was huge. I am fairly new to the community. So I'm like just coming up on two years and all the people that I've met though, like never met them before. And we're hugging and like laughing and smiling because we had connected digitally mm -hmm. and now we're in person and we're having a physical connection that it's like, okay, how do we then take this intention that HubSpot's bringing this connected customer, age of the connected customer, now giving this opportunity to not only connect with our connections, but then what does that mean? What do you take from that? Where does it, where does it go from there? So for, for us at remotish, I can't say that we're, we're not innovators in it, but we've always had this, this connected approach to who we are and how we help our customers. Right. When the first time we got on a, a, just a qualification call to try and understand a customer's challenges and their pains, we're like authentically who we are. I don't care about quota because I'm commissionless. My salesperson is commissionless, was commissionless, right? So it's like mm -hmm. that relieves all that pressure to just say connect and find the fit. So that's how we start. And then we look at it and we always, everyone's got different analogies. We kind of like the Jenga stack analogy when you look at your tech stack and it's like, okay, well, what are the easy blocks that you can just push and it's like slides out the other side because you've got a huge tech stack that's disconnecting your team. Mm -hmm. Like information's over here in left field on the fourth floor of the building and it's never reaching its way to the first floor, right? So you look at that Jenga stack and you want to remove pieces in there that put friction inside of how you're doing business. And then it's also, I think about that community piece, right? Where it's, it's continuing to bring people together. It's, it's, it's what conversations can you empower? Um, you know, from my side, even just being connected into that and what it looks like is, is there's a fairly new, HubSpot council called the, the revenue council. And I'm inside of that council and we're just really loving the community vibe that's going on and being able to talk through some of the things we're dealing with. Um, Heather does a great job bringing in guest speakers and leading that charge. And it's awesome because there's that community. So it's, it just really touches in so many places. And I think then you even think about your customer and that customer cycle where it's, it's, it is digitally disconnected, right? We talk about social media, but it's made us in social, right? Where we mm -hmm. continue to find our ways to sit on our couches and feel connected to your neighbor because you're sending them IMs through Instagram, right? <laughs> it's like, 
get out and shake that person's hand. So how do you, how do we do that on the business side too? And, and thinking about it from that B2B, B2C, whatever kind of selling you're doing at the root level, you're not selling to a business, you're selling to a human. So you're a human, they're a human. How do you, how do you make sure you connect on that level? Don't just connect and, and, and feel like that thing, that person, that business on the other side is just a dollar sign. But I think that's what's that's what's tough. And I definitely don't have the solution because it's a big thing to solve for because companies need to grow. You got to put pressure, the right amount of pressure on sales teams and drive revenue, drive growth, drive scalability. But at the end of the day, how much pressure does that put on you where you end up seeing a dollar sign on the other end of your Zoom call versus a human, right? So I think it's how we bring together. That was a lot. <laughs> no, yeah, lot I didn't want to interrupt. You were on it. Um, it's, I mean, it's I, how you bring that all together, right? We, yeah, we, we, there's a few pockets there. Uh, you mentioned sales uh, as, as an example of just, well, you know, let's not get distracted from the need for human connection, right? If I'm a seller and you're a buyer and we're B2B, well, no, we're, you know, human to human, as you kind of mentioned it. There's the product, the tech stack, the processes you build around that to enable or potentially, you know, enable or prevent connection, right? Uh, you'd mentioned the community component on uh, some of the the channels that are, you know, tech, like technology as well, right? Um, so I think I, I kind of want to kind of go down <clears throat> in order of a list here. Starting with the sales example, uh, hey, we're not going to let quotas and dollar signs get in our way. We're going to approach this relationship as our true authentic selves. Um, other than having that mindset, uh, how does remote-ish uh, operationalize or, you know, ensure that that sort of human centric process, uh, comes to fruition, if that makes sense. Like, how do you, how do you codify that as, uh, the, the, the means in which you engage prospects? Okay. So in, in the way that it happens for us is, um, got to give props to Nicole and the previous team that built a really strong inbound engine for us. And so that gives us a pretty decent inbound flow of leads. So somebody's coming to us, they need something, right? They, they've gone through their own little awareness, consideration, decision journey, and then they've landed on us and said, I got I to gotta figure this out, right? And so whether they found us through the HubSpot partner directory, through Google searches, through all the content that we put all over LinkedIn and where people are seeing us, however they find us, it's all about the journey, right? And we kind of took a look at this from uh, an exercise. You saw my coffee cup. I had a world certification week <laughs> sticker on it. I did a session in there that was talking about like how you become a tour guide. I don't have my piece of rope, but if anyone who was on the world certification week saw my analogy for the rope, right. And talking about how you want to push somebody through versus pull them through right? It's like that rope. So think of the rope when you, mm -hmm. when you're on the back end and you push a piece of rope, like it just, what happens? Nothing happens, right? How do you push rope? But when you're on the front side and the rope becomes the analogy of data and information that you've collected, now you can tour guide them in the right direction. So if you think about just taking them on a journey and saying, Hey, and this look, I can't say that this, this encompasses everyone's sales models because everyone's got to be, you know, drive heavy growth and, and, and those sorts of things. But when we look at it, I say the most value that I can deliver to you today is, is at least you walk away more informed in something than before you met with me. Mm -hmm. Most times that closes the deal though, because they're like, oh my God, they're just sharing all this information. 
I just was on a call yesterday. They've met with two other agencies and they work with a current agency and they're trying to figure out where to go. And she's like, and I've just so much enjoyed this process with you because you just seem so authentic and you and you're sharing all of this information. And I'm like, look, I'm selling without selling. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that's, that's a little bit of the approach that we take, which isn't something that can be copy pasted into everyone's model because a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of companies, a lot of agencies, you know, you got to do a little bit more hunt. Um, so yeah, no, that's great. It, uh, I was, uh, uh, our C- HubSpot CEO Yamini had posted on LinkedIn uh, maybe yesterday or a couple days ago. I mean, by the time this records, maybe like a week or so ago, whatever. But uh, it's kind of this idea of like, you know, selling a vision and kind of like pushing it on to others versus enrolling them into a shared vision. And so it feels fairly, fairly reflective of kind of your rope metaphor, too. And we're not pushing. We're actually hoping to pull them and, and be a tour guide and, and have them come along with us. Um, Absolutely. I love, I love that. Yeah. Um I kind of want to tackle the next two uh, as a pair. So we mentioned, I've never heard the Jenga stack metaphor for a tech stack, by the way, but it makes a ton of sense. So I love that. And all right, so what are the easy blocks to push out? And so it sounds like Remotish may offer some sort of consultancy or help with uh, <clears throat> building a structurally sound Jenga stack for a client too, right? Um, and then the other side, you talked about social media and you kind of opened the door. I'm going to take it, but my interpretation of, the traditional channels that businesses used uh, are becoming saturated and less effective. You'd mentioned social media, uh, but organic doesn't exist for social media. The, the quick, the quick hits, the quick tips for personalization are no longer effective, and the tactics that we used to use to like break through the noise are just new layers of saturation. So there's like the tech stack. There's the changing uh, strategies for businesses to prospect and market and sell, and and so where. How does Remotish package their service offering on top of this? Do you guys go tech consulting, strategic consulting? How are you thinking about the go-to-market strategies for yourself, for your clients? Again, we're trying to fight this this disconnection. Uh, how do you guys go to market with that? Yeah, okay. So let, let's tackle that first part, right? The, the the Jenga stack. We have really tight positioning as a company being we don't touch anything outside of HubSpot. So that has given our team, our expertise, the training, the paths that we put our team members on, the opportunity to really hone in on HubSpot. What is HubSpot capable of doing? So when we look at it from the Jenga stack, it's also like, well, I use Calendly. Well, you can get rid of that one. You know what I mean? Like you're on HubSpot. Why are you paying for Calendly too, right? Um, are you using outreach? What other enablement tools are you using? But it's also just asking the questions because, you know, outreach... Uh, overlaps pretty heavily with sales enablement that HubSpot can do, but there's also things that it it does that HubSpot can't. But it's looking at it and saying, hey, but if you're not using that part of X tool, then why are you paying for it if I can get you every feature and functionality inside of HubSpot? That only makes our relationship stickier because we're coming in as consultants and advising them, help them save, you know, monthly expense on software and tech. But also then, you know, for us, we like to keep people on HubSpot. That that builds longevity into using the tools because they're like, they're not sparsed off of this sales process that they got to use Calendly and this and that and that and that. It's not to say that those tools aren't efficient. It's just if you aren't using that tool as much as if you're not squeezing the juice, right, completely out of that tool and you can squeeze it all out of HubSpot, then why not? So we never consult outside. We just like to ask questions on the other tools that they're using. 
that say, hey, did you know that HubSpot can cover that functionality and it might be able to save you some costs? So that's how we, we look at that tech stack um, and help do some advisement and consulting around that. When it comes to a little bit of that GTM strategy, I think for now we've, I, I, it's weird. Maybe we're OG and just holding down a little bit. Like what we do from thought leadership and, and strong SEO, right? Uh, the blogging and pap, proper uh, backlinking and linking and all those things and making sure that that stuff's all operational and, and up and running. And what are the errors? Are we checking it? Are we fixing it? Are links broken? It seems to work for us. So we haven't really had to break into Instagram ads or TikTok mm -hmm. or do any of those things. Like we're just all over LinkedIn. We like to find our ways into helping with partner programs, right? I also spoke at that partner kickoff event this year. So it's like putting ourselves in thought leadership locations where people can just find value in us. And I think they hear the name. We do a good job through that sales journey where we've had customers that have, didn't end up working with us, but then someone comes in and they're like, Hey, I got referred from, from this person because they just said it was excellent to just meet with you. So I, I will say we've been fortunate to not have to change, you know, anything kind of heavy for GTM strategies on saying, well, maybe we need to go to Instagram, TikTok, you know, these <laughs> other things and try and put ourselves in other, other spaces. So I, I can't speak too heavily around, you know, big differentiations in, in social media tactics. No, you know, uh, the subtext there, well, first off, um, sounds like some of the, just the inbound, the inbound, the fundamentals of inbound, right? Like, Hey, is just, is the data connected or the blogs connected? Is the backlinks there? Like just the best practice, the fundamentals, like don't discount those, right? They're still impactful and effective. Um, uh, but again, to the subtext of, well, we didn't have to change much to our go to market. Um, I think that speaks to, well, who's our audience? and who isn't our audience. And let's be thoughtful about those omissions. And then where can we drive value for that audience? Partner kickoff, world certification week, uh, pockets of LinkedIn. So uh, you're already embodying, I think, right? That, you know, well, how do we connect with the people uh, that we need to in the places and in the ways in which they want to connect? So, you know, there's some subtext there, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, ben, let me ask you this. Uh, through the lens of clients, the, the businesses you work with, uh, take any big swings, any big bets, uh, 2023. I don't know if you have like a annual planning or, you know, we're going to take a look at our service offerings. Uh, anything you're rethinking or taking a big bet on as uh, driving additional value for clients. So for us right now, we're, we're leaning heavy into the data that says we, we run in six month sprints, right? It's not to say that we can't keep working past that, but whether previously we used to be like month to month. So we made it really easy for people in, in companies to work with us. Like you want to work with us for two months and then just move on it's just a, you know, notification, 30 day notification and you can move on. So obviously it's really hard to deliver value in a rev ops approach because you need to be intentional and build out an approach to it. We can't come into someone's HubSpot. That's a, a, disaster and say in two months, you're going to have a completely RevOps enabled HubSpot portal. There's no way that's going to happen. So the reality is we found ourselves hitting a six month mark where it's like, all right, here, here's some solid traction and moment. And so we're making the move to say, we're going to do six month agreements so that there's enough time, but it also doesn't let us look at things from 12 months, which 
not to say a 12 month contract is bad, but put a little bit of pressure on us. We got to deliver a lot in six months now. We want to find out and make sure we're efficient at that. So this is a new thing for us that we're really leaning into heavily is, is the six month approach. Always open to renewals because we can continue to definitely expand upon the work we've done. We've had clients that have come in, been with us for three months in some project approach. And we've had clients that have been with us three years plus, right? So yep. the, the variety of value that we can deliver is, is is a little bit different for each of the clients and their needs. But looking for for what we're going to roll into the next year, we're, we're I think we're going to go hard on six month time sprints um, and looking to make a move finally from you know, some, some of that hourly pricing and move ourselves into some value pricing so we can get a little bit more flexible in our engagements. Yep. No, that's, uh, that sounds great. I mean, if anything, it sounds like it's a commitment to six months still feels like an appropriate amount of time to keep the heat on the team to drive value, but it's also giving yourselves the grace and the time to, uh, establish whatever foundations you need to, and actually begin to realize some substantial value right in the HubSpot yeah. of your clients. Yeah. I love yeah, that. Yeah. hundred percent. And then that, that reminds me a little bit of the concept where, you know, RevOps has definitely been trending upwards in, in the last few months, pretty heavily, a few years as well. And, and we've always had, our program is called Monthly RevOps. So we've been hanging in the RevOps space for quite a while now. And I think what I'm starting to see is, is it's gaining some traction, right? I've got, I know a lot of people in a lot of other spaces and, you know, whether they're demand gen, marketing gen, lead gen, marketing agencies, full stuff, like they're, they're losing clients. I mean, we're losing clients too. It's people's are tightening up the belts. Everyone's experiencing what's going on right now. But I also am hearing that it's like, well, I don't care if I get the marketing in because it's a mess when it comes in. Well, cause you didn't do RevOps. Right. Right. right? So that's where we're also seeing some, some stuff come in through our clients and, and net new prospects that are looking for RevOps to really be built out. They're like, I, I'm working with a marketing agency, but it's kind of a mess or I haven't been with an agency in a while because I canceled it because it was just like opening all the the faucets and it's just <laughs> flooding and it, was mm -hmm. like it, it goes everywhere and it's just spilling out and then it's falling in this crack. So I think we're going to continue to see that trend heavy into RevOps enablement uh, for, for these companies to be able to put intention behind like, go do your marketing efforts now. And when it comes in, you got an MQL that's got a lead score that's ready to go to an SQL your sales team's ready to handle it. Like everything's built out for you. So it's not like, well, you're going to miss a buying window because this lead is telling you that they're hot and ready. They're, they're ready. Yep. Right. So I think that too, it's nothing new, but I think it's just going to continue to surface itself and put RevOps probably in front of, in front of some of these other, other uh, services. You, uh, you, uh, you may have already, you may have answered this question just there. Uh, but my, I was going to follow up. You had mentioned like, hey, you know, it's going to take a little longer for you to become a fully RevOps enabled portal. And so I was going to seek some, I was going to double click in that and be like, well, how would you define a fully RevOps enabled portal? And so you'd mentioned like, well, you know, uh, incoming leads tagged, categorized and given to the appropriate sales reps and the appropriate timeframes to them to action. Uh, any other components or any other checkboxes that would make a portal fully RevOps enabled? Oh gosh, I, that could be a whole episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think from from our side, um, another thing that we're looking at potentially doing is, is we've done some analysis to say one of our form fields is which hubs are you on? Um, top is is marketing, of course. Uh, so we work with some clients that are only in the marketing and they still have a Salesforce instance. So we're you know we we help them at least we're the hand that reaches out from HubSpot and make sure that that integration is smooth and. The, 
data is passing back and forth, but we're not doing rev ops. We can't, there's no way we can affect it. Right. So we're doing marketing ops essentially. So for us, we're also looking at how we really, really dig our heels into the concrete with rev ops and say, if you want to do a full rev ops program with us, you've got to have the marketing hub, sales hub and CMS hub. Hmm. Service Hub, it, it needs to be there, but it's not like a requirement because we can still drive revenue through your company in utilizing RevOps through how is someone finding your site? How are they converting on your site? How's the SEO inside of that? Once somebody converts or, or what kind of funnel, marketing funnel are you doing? That's that we then leverage our lead scoring. Um, we have one of our teammates here, Liam, who did a tremendous like high technical uh, webinar session, working session with the the MoPro teams. And, and it's like, that's the stuff that we're doing. That's, that's just really high level implementation of, of lead scoring so that when you hit that score, it's your chances of converting as a client or, or customer are huge. So how things get prepared to get converted over and transitioned. I mean, we could dive into a lot. Do you have an SLA? We don't help clients build SLAs, but if we want to help look at how, what's, what's the marketing's expectation, marketing team, how many leads do they need to generate to pass over? And then how, how, how quickly can a sales team close it? What's their sales velocity look like because of the sales enablement tools and, and sequencing and workflows and quoting and, and how quickly you can get that stuff signed off on. So then obviously looking at it from the CS side, are you expanding, you're retaining, um, mm-hmm. using the service pipeline? We, we don't use the service pipeline because we have a full project management software but the service pipeline can be used in multiple ways. We use it also like an ATS applicant tracking system. Yeah. So we've developed uh, something really unique there. And and Kevin, that's what we talked about briefly before. That was our our service authenticity award, right? Which was yeah. we got that for the inaugural one with HubSpot for our applicant tracking system built in HubSpot and our onboarding that we do with new team members. So not even client facing, internal facing, all that yeah. stuff's important. So those experiences matter. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, such a cool award to win. Um, also knowing that the what was award worthy was the way in which you leverage that applicant tracking system within uh, HubSpot. Super cool. Um, uh, you'd mentioned CMS, which I love, uh, and how actually if you want a full you know RevOps program, you know we really want folks to be on the HubSpot CMS too. I think I saw on the remotest website there's a, a bucket of services called uh, WebOps. Um, not web development, right? There's the inclusion of ops for that. Uh, how do you distinct, what's the distinction uh, or what's the role of ops for a web ops service and what's the web CMS site, like CMS function uh, of your rev ops engagements? Yeah, that's a great question, Kevin. Uh, full transparency. We definitely need to clean that up a little bit because what's on the website is a little bit more just like building a website. Um, and the web ops really kind of actually gets folded into our rev ops clients. So if we're going to do a website build, we can do that from a custom theme build up or, you know, look to stand something up on top of a, a marketplace theme that somebody wants to download because they really like that layout. We can do either of those approaches. And that's really like web dev, right? And then, so when we look at it from the web ops side, that's really what happens inside of our rev ops engagements. And if they're on the CMS or, you know, they don't even have to be all the way on the CMS, but we do development. We have an award-winning development team. So from that regard, you know, it's it's looking at proper builds and bringing strategy to 
um, the, the layout, the location, the text, the where's your call to action button. And so that operational piece is also um, carries that load of, of getting advice from us that says, hey, you've got, you've got 45 templates in here. That's crazy. Like, let's simplify this. You probably only need seven, maybe eight, you know, mm-hmm. depending on what you're, you're doing. And so it's looking at it and kind of operationalizing that approach that says, how, how messy is it in here though? Because then we also want, our goal is never to be like the, the agency that you need to run your business. So we're with you for 10 years while you scale up. Right. We're always looking to, to have our, our clients upskill themselves. So we look at it and say, how do we operationalize your CMS hub so that it is easy? Like I've got these five templates. This are my go-to. I've got these three landing pages that are my go-to that solve everything. And I've got these seven uh, email marketing templates, right? So it's like bringing it all together to centralize it in a place that the client has ease of use because mm-hmm. we never want to be like there for them long-term. We're always going to be a, a, a valuable resource to them. But if we can't get you doing it on your own, then I, I think that potentially almost looks like we didn't do our jobs well enough, right? Yeah, right. Well, so it's like, again, apples to oranges, but we mentioned some of the things from a sales enablement perspective to drive sales velocity and accelerate the sales process. Sounds like kind of similar for the marketers in charge of the website or web market, whatever it is. Like, yeah, the velocity and acceleration to create new or edit or apply maintenance to the website. Uh, There's like velocity components there. All right, let's trim down your template uh, list and let's make it easier for you to manage on your own. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we have a a prospect right now that's looking to move off of another website platform just because they're like, it's so hard to make the miners of updates. Like, so so, so hard. annoying, so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. So um, now you uh, mentioned uh, we talked about the uh, authentic service award, uh, and it sounds like there was kind of two halves of the story. Um, that was award-winning from the remotest side. And that was, well, our applicant tracking system within HubSpot. And you mentioned your onboarding program. Uh, And saw this on LinkedIn from Nicole. Obviously, we've talked about it a little bit. um, But for a long time, it sounds like remotish kind of had this, uh, uh, you know, installed in their culture that, well, we want our team to be fully certified across all certifications within HubSpot Academy. We want this kind of a completionist mindset. Uh, But fairly recently, there's been a pivot. And you're like, actually, we're going to pull back on that. what is the new structure for onboarding and certification assignments for the team and, and what drove the change? Kevin, change, man, change management, right? It's a, it's a tough <laughs> thing to do and how you get change to happen. And I really have to kind of applaud ourselves for, for how we take change and saying like, we, we're not just going to flip the light switch and, and tomorrow's going to be a different day and how we do this. We really try to look at it. So it's been a journey, right? Uh, myself included, I've been uh, held responsible to have every single one of the HubSpot certifications. So in in that journey, um, I think I challenged a little bit of the reasoning behind it, which said, hey, I just went through this and um, time goes on, you know, I'm moving through my different roles. And now where I'm at, uh, the servicing team is, is part of my responsibility. And, and I just started looking at it saying like, man, we went through these certifications. Most recently, one of the best ones in there is, is that RevOps, right? And mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, did did we just force this on the team because it's a requirement or were we intentional in saying, what are we going to learn from this? So that's when this really, I started poking holes at it a little bit and saying, I think we really need to put intention in this. So started bringing some 
creative conversations and saying, hey, team, on our Monday sales call, let's talk about this section from this certification and let's put our thoughts together and really try to make it something we, we what are we going to use? What are we going to learn from it and, and put into place? So started going down that path a little bit. And then we've hit this place where we do. So our team not only has to, previously, our team not only had to have every certification that had to be maintained. So every time, you know, they're a year or two years, I believe, based on whichever they are, they have to research and get it back. So it's current again. So that puts a lot of pressure on us as you're a servicing team member and you've got billable time, you need to get into your, your role. And so looking at it with the intentionality of what do we require and why do we require it? And then putting it into the place that says, okay, well then we can strip this down a bit, right? What somebody in a sales role is required to have should be very different from someone in a servicing role. So we, we, we went through, got an amazing team here with Stefan and Andrea and Nicole and, and Jen. And we, we just kind of poked holes at it and said, what do we think they absolutely we should require to do this job effectively? And those will be the ones that are required as you onboard and then to keep renewed. We That's not to say we wouldn't still find our way in saying we still would like to have our team get to a point where they've had every single certification, but we've put that intention into saying, but here's the ones that should help you do your job better. That sounds great. I mean, I can only imagine, all right, I'm in a sales role uh, and it's now on my list to go tackle the CMS for developers certification, you know, and I can only imagine the friction oh and the frustration and, you know, and candidly, that's, you know, not really the the intention or design of the catalog we build, right? They, they're they built with a particular role function persona in mind. Uh, so it's exciting to hear. Um, I can imagine that it's uh, more art than science. Like what was the process for, okay, here are the roles. Uh, how would you determine if a cert made the cut or didn't as a requirement? Was it collectively talking about, well, what actions will this drive or what other inputs did you take in? Yeah, I think when we were looking at it, it it, it just came to how we aligned to our job roles and description, um, pairing that with what we know we deliver inside of our client engagements, right? So in looking at it, you know, there, there's things for us we just kind of simplified too. There's like marketing hub implementation, but marketing hub demo. Like we, we don't need them to have both, right? So for a strategist on our team, we want to have, you need to have the marketing hub implementation, not the demo one, right? right. But we also said then, well, maybe for the sales side, they have the demo one then, yeah, right? Um, there's a lot of things I think in there that are uh, heavy on that HubSpot usage side. So we looked at um, things around how you do things inside of HubSpot, the CMS, the specific hubs, uh, sales hub, marketing hub. Um, and then I think the other piece was looking at our service offering, which I mentioned earlier. So clearly, I don't think we're currently, we don't offer any marketing uh, work uh, or, or services for our clients. So I don't think really leaning too heavily into the requirement of them having the inbound cert. You know, sure. yeah. So um, that may change in the future. Who knows? But uh, today, it's it's looking at it and saying, what's the service offering that our clients are receiving today, and what certifications of those are going to most impact the delivery we can have? How was uh? What was the team's reception to the to the change? Oh, they loved it because <laughs> <laughs> it's it is it's a bit of pressure, right? It's and and that's where I think here we go. 
that RevOps certification, right? There was a there was a part in there that talked about friction, removing friction, but there was also a part that said it's okay to put friction in there as long as there's an equal output of value, right? So I think from from our team, they felt more friction than value being forced to have every single certification kept current versus saying, well, let's keep friction, but let's match it with the value, which is I think what happened there is, is we've reduced the friction so that the value, we hit the value point and matched and equalized that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that balance, I don't think it's a pendulum, but the balance of the weighed scales of value to friction. Yeah. Friction's not always synonymous with bad. It's not always uh, something you must remove, but again, it has to have the necessary output of value. That's a great call. Yeah. Um, yep. Correct. Love that. Well, best of luck with the rest of the, the learning paths, rolling that out, uh, categorization by role and function. Uh, sounds like, um, uh, a great update to your guys' process. Um, ben, as we approach the end of the episode here, man, uh, I have one final question for you. Uh, wrap every episode with it. What is the strangest part of agency life? Of agency life or remotest life? That's that's the question. <laughs> uh, let's do remotest life. Besides right? so- measuring your beard on a podcast. Besides <laughs> that, well, that's an omission for this, for this question. But yeah, so what's the strangest part of remotest life? I'm going to blend it up a little bit, right? So for me, my background is is so different from agency space and HubSpot. And real quick, the story goes, in my last role as CTO of a company, I took on the objective to migrate us off of a low-code app platform, which was called QuickBase, that could not do any of the sales enablement things. And so I took the sales team, moved it over to HubSpot, and I just fell in love. And I was like, this is so awesome such a cool tool. So then I left that place and came over to Remotish and started as just, I, w- I was Nicole's first hire as a dedicated sales role. And so I came on as the first business development strategist and just felt like warmth and wrapped into the community. And so it's it's such a an amazing space to be in. I think agency life has its stress, right? But I think um, here at Remotish, we've We've built a really unique program and Nicole and, and Jen built something really special with our reduced work program. So it it allows us to balance out the stresses of being in an agency and sitting in these seats and dealing with these kind of clients versus a SaaS space where you just sell a platform and then service it, right? And it's like, any, any problems, anything we can help out with? And you're just waiting for service tickets to come through. So <laughs> from my side, I think agency life has been really rewarding to feel the warmth of the ecosystem specifically inside of the HubSpot space. I can't speak to any of the other agency spaces other than this. So that's why I think it's been an amazing to be inside of here. And then with Remotish, it's just stay focused on that work-life balance so that the agency side doesn't burn you out. Yep. The balance is so key. Um, what Do you want to add some color to the, what was it? Uh, the reduced work program. You want to add some color to that? Sure. Uh, so we have a reduced work program, which means if you go through the qualification period, which is really focused around time tracking, proper time tracking and time management, and then certifications. So when you hit those marks, then you go through uh, the qualification period. And then once you've done that and held those certifications and time management and time logging correctly, then you fall into our reduced work program, which is uh, only having to work 30 hours per week, essentially. And it's a flex time model. So it's not required that you work 30 hours a week. You could work 40 hours one week and then you know less the next week, or you could end up taking that PTO. But 
in a whole, it's a really amazing program because at the end of the year, you end up getting 13 weeks of paid time off. So how you use that, we kind of put it in a little bit of a forced model because, you know, everyone talks about the unlimited PTO where it's like, but nobody takes it. It actually so yields you... less time taken versus, yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So our time is is built in monthly chunks. So it's like you have to take the time off in that month. So we don't allow you to like accrue and build up 13 weeks and then take 13 <laughs> weeks off. You have to take essentially, you know, those that time off uh, each month. So it's a really amazing It's like program. a forcing function for a fairly consistent balance, right? Maintaining balance month over month. Yeah, I love exactly. That. You know, some of our team members, they work Monday through Thursday and like having either Friday off or a super easy Friday. Some of our team members just like working six hours every day, right? Right. So that flex and how they arrange that with their clients and their relationships, it's it's theirs to hold the freedom of how they schedule that. That's great. Now, I know I definitely lied on saying the last question. So thanks for indulging me for a bonus question there. More for my own <laughs> yeah. curiosity's sake. So, uh, But Ben, listen, man, uh, we're out of time. Uh, very much appreciate you coming on, talking through uh, connection at the human level, at the platform level, at the customer level. Uh, big bets you're taking process-wise, web ops, rev ops, man. Uh, perspective on all of it's been great. So uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, Kevin, it's been a pleasure, man, chatting with you. And uh Hope to do it again in the near future. We'll talk yes, about sir. some more things. <laughs> uh, uh, and for anybody that is tuned in, this has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered.